Last weekend, I was able to do something really wonderful. I had a, besides be here with you all, which is really wonderful that I get to do every weekend, but last weekend, I had a reunion weekend with four dear friends from college. One of these women, who's my best friend, I've seen regularly uh, since college, but the other three I've seen very rarely, and most of what I know about their lives comes from Facebook posts. All five of us have only been together once since graduation in 1998, and that was at my ordination 17 years ago. It also happens to be true that four of the five of us are named Amy. Uh, and the other one's Megan. We keep her around for variety's sake. Well, I was really grateful when one of the other Amys basically insisted that we get together this summer, and I was nervous because people change a lot over a few decades, right? So I wondered, would we all get along? Would it be awkward? Would there be drama? Would someone feel left out or would we run out of things to say? I was excited but also uncertain, which it turns out was really dumb. <laughs> These four women are exactly who I knew them to be when we first became friends in 1994. They are 100% themselves, and our time together could not have been better. Now, we've all lived a lot of life in those years since college, but the, the words that I would use to describe them to you today, to describe their character, are the exact same words that I would have used back then in college. And it was so fun and also really comforting to know that something essential about them, about us, really hasn't changed you know, honestly, it, it made my world a little more secure. But somehow I'm still feeling buoyed up by the fact that they are as good and kind and compassionate and smart and generous and funny as I remembered them to be so long ago. The strength of someone's character through time, that, that idea that the good that we see in someone is the good they continue to show into the world, that is something to be admired and to be enjoyed when we see it in our friends. It's something for us to hope for in ourselves that we see this consistency of our character, that we stay true to our character, and it is something that we can count on from God. There's a fundamental tenet of the Christian faith that our God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Who God has been is who God is and is who God will be. Just like with old friends, the consistency of that character of God, it's something that can bring us comfort and bring us security and bring us joy. Now we're spending a few weeks here at the end of summer to explore some of the attributes of God. The list of words that we use to describe God over these five weeks, it's not exhaustive. If we wanted to preach about all the attributes of God, we would be doing that until Christmas. We're not doing that until Christmas, guys. Instead, we're just focusing in on five key characteristics of God. That God is holy. Pastor Bellarmi talked about that last week. That God is merciful, that God is love, that God is good. And today's attribute, that God is just. God is just. So, God is just. That means fundamentally, justice is a part of who God is. Whatever God does, how God sees the world is always through the lens of justice. God cares about justice. And, and just like with all the attributes of God, this is not just a sometimes thing with God. This is a big difference between God and humans. That we might be people who are very kind, except when we get hungry. 
right? And then we're just hangry, hungry, angry, hangry. Or maybe we're people who are very generous. Unless someone asks us to share some of our favorite ice cream and there's only one serving left in the container. Or maybe we are someone who is really honest, except when we want to avoid conflict, like if a relative gives you a sweater for Christmas and you never would have bought it for yourself, and they say, how do you like it? And you say, it's great, I love it. So you don't hurt their feelings. So even the best among us, we're not completely consistent in our character, but not so with God. God is who God is, perfect and true, unwavering, unfailing. So when we say God is just, we mean always. God doesn't set aside justice in order to be merciful. This is important. God is both merciful and just at the same time. God doesn't stop being just so that God can be loving. God's love and God's justice always go together. All the attributes of God coexist together so God is holy and just and merciful and loving and good always. And we might wonder, how can that be so? Perhaps it makes more sense when we begin to realize that what we think of justice is not exactly what the Bible means when it talks about God being just. I think the most common idea that we have about justice is to say that justice is about being fair. It's about being equal. Like how my parents were always very concerned about being fair between me and my brother. I bet some of you did this in your households too. That meant at Christmas, we always had the exact same number of gifts to open, right? Not that I ever counted, I don't think. Or they always made sure that for our birthdays, which are only about two weeks apart, that they spent the same amount of money on both of us. You know, they might still do that, actually. I'm not sure. (laughs) That was very important to them, very important to them to be fair between their children. And I appreciate that. Fairness has its place. We might say a parent do that and say, oh, that's very just of them. They're interested in justice. We tend to think fairness and justice are the same thing. But fairness is not what we mean, not at all, when we talk about the justice of God. Do you remember that story that Jesus told about workers in the vineyard? Some people went to work early in the morning. Some others came about 10 o'clock, some came at noon, some came late in the afternoon. And at the end of the day, the owner lined all of them up so that he could pay them. First to last, the people who came last got paid first, and he gave them a full day's wage. Well, when the people who were at the end of the line who had worked all day heard that, they got really excited because they thought they were going to get a whole lot of money. But as the line moved forward, everyone in line got a full day's wage. Those who worked a little and those who worked a lot. Now that is not fair, but it is the kingdom of God and in God's eyes, it's justice. So God's justice is not simply about fairness. Now, also when we say God is just, we also don't mean the kind of justice that's portrayed in statues of lady justice. You know what I mean, that statue, Lady Justice? She, you see it in front of courthouses a lot. She has balanced scales in one hand, and she has a sword in the other. And what's she always wearing? A blindfold. She has a blindfold on. Because we have this idea in America that justice is blind, that it pays no attention to who's receiving it. It's the same for everyone. 
But God's justice is not the same for everyone. God does not wear a blindfold when dispensing justice. Quite the opposite, in fact, God sees us, God sees what we need, and God treats us according to what we need, not some blanket, one-size-fits-all justice. Courthouse justice also doesn't fit with God's idea of justice because we associate, associate courthouse justice with punishment. Or you think about the family of a murder victim gets justice, we say, when the killer is sentenced to life in prison. That's justice for the family. But that's actually just another attempt at fairness, punishing someone in the measure with which they have hurt others. And that's not God's kind of justice. Now, we might want to think sometimes about our God as a punishing God, that we can trust that God will punish other people, always, not ourselves, but that God will punish other people, that God will cause pain and suffering to our enemies, especially when we can't take revenge for ourselves. And there is a scripture that says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, but that's not the same as revenge, and it isn't the same as justice. So, if God being just is not about being fair, it's not about blindly equal treatment, and it's not about punishment, then what does it mean to say that our God is a just God? Well, it means that God is really concerned with the distribution of goods and penalties in our world. Or more simply put, it means that God cares deeply that everyone has enough. God wants everyone to have enough. And God wants to act in the world to try and make sure that happens. So when God sees someone suffering from a lack of something, whatever, food, clothing, a home, love, safety, whatever basic need they lack, God wants to try to give them what they need because our God is a just God. Justice for God means that everyone has enough. This is where this whole idea of the jubilee year in the Bible comes about. You might remember this in the Old Testament. There's an idea that every 50 years, all land would revert back to the original owners, to the families who were first given a plot of land when the Israelites moved into Canaan, into the promised land. At that moment, when they moved into Canaan, the Bible says everybody had what they needed to take care of their families. Everybody had a plot of land. But over time, you can imagine, as it happened, land was bought and land was sold. Some people got rich. Some people were in debt. And the Bible's idea is that every 50 years, everything would reset and everyone would again have what they need. It sounds amazing. It sounds impossible. And historians are kind of doubtful whether it ever actually happened. But it gives us the idea of what God's justice looks like, that everyone has enough. God's concern with justice, that everyone would have an adequate share of the world's resources. It means that God has particular concern for people in the world who are left behind or left out. In the Bible, this is expressed that God has particular concern for the widow and the orphan and the foreigner, because those were the people who were most at risk in ancient Israel. God had special care for them because they suffered the most injustices of the day. And God is a just God and wants everyone in the world to thrive. 
So just a few verses from the Psalms to help us get this idea in our head about God as a just God. Psalm 10 says, O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed. From Psalm 76, from the heavens you uttered judgment. The earth feared and was still when God arose to establish judgment to save all the humble of the earth. Or from Psalm 103, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Now last week, Pastor Bellarmi said that we want to study the attributes of God because they help us know how to act ourselves. Right? Genesis chapter 1 says that we are made in the image of God. And our own mission statement right here at St. Paul's says that we want to reflect God's love into the world. Well, how do we live out that image of God? We do that by trying to be the same things that God is. Last week, we talked about trying to be holy. <laughs> this week, trying to be just. We know that the justice of God is characterized by a special regard for the poor, the oppressed, the weak. And so we honor the image of God that's inside of us when we show special regard for the poor, the oppressed, and the weak. Deuteronomy chapter 10 says, God executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. So you love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. All right, all of this brings us to our verse for today that comes from the book of Micah. Micah's name means, who's like Yahweh? And we don't know much about Micah except for the uh, what we can figure out from this small book of his prophetic works. Micah's book is short, but his prophetic career probably wasn't. He maybe was a prophet for like 50 years from between 730 B.C. and 680. He was also a contemporary of the prophet Isaiah. And, and Micah's big problem was he was upset with the leadership of his country because of the inequality between the rich and the poor. Huge inequality between the rich and the poor. And he felt like that the burdens of the nation were being borne by the poor unfairly. They were suffering unnecessarily because of the greed of the rich. He was also concerned that all the people around him were doing the stuff of religion, like they were going to the temple and they were offering sacrifices, but they weren't actually living out their faith in a way that showed they trusted and knew God. So he asks this really important question. Micah says, what, what should we do to honor God? For everything God has given us, what does God want in return? Micah says, should I bring a huge offering? Should I bring to the altar a thousand sheep? Should I bring rivers of oil? Should I sacrifice my first child? What can I do to best honor God? How can I live a righteous life? And the answer is none of that stuff. That's not what constitutes a righteous life. Micah says, God has shown us what is good, how to live, and it's three simple things. You probably know these off the top of your head. To do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. It's a lovely verse, Micah 6, 8. You know, it sounds so wonderful that even non-church people like Micah 6, 8. It's one of those places that people who don't go to church, they'll, they'll say, oh, see, that's all I'm supposed to do. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God. God doesn't really care if I do all that religious stuff as long as I'm 
fair and I'm kind and I'm a little humble, that'll get me a spot in heaven, right? That's what that means, right? No, no. All your goodness, all your fairness, all your kindness, all your humility, that's not going to ensure you a spot in eternal life. It's not going to be enough. It's not going to earn you God's favor. Because the scripture is clear, God's favor isn't something we earn, ever. There's not this giant tally sheet up in the sky where God is marking off a list of all the good things Amy did today and all the bad things Amy did, and at the end of the days, we'll see the tally, and if the good outweigh the bad, then in you go to heaven. It's not the way this works. God's favor isn't something we earn. God gives it freely. God gives it repeatedly to God's children. You know, that's how bad God is at fairness. We don't have to earn God's love or God's mercy. God just gives it to us. And the people who need it a lot more, they get a lot more than the people who don't need it quite as much. God gives by grace, and we are asked to respond. So how do we respond to God's grace? This is where what Micah says comes in. We do justice, we love kindness, and we walk humbly with God. That's what God wants to see from us after we receive the gift of God's love. So God seeks or desires justice, Justice that everyone has what they need, enough food, enough land, enough resources to care for themselves and their family. In the Torah, there's this very clear commandment that farmers, landowners, were supposed to leave the gleanings of their field as an act of justice. A farmer was to leave the edges of his field unharvested so the poor and the landless, the immigrant, can come and reap along those edges get their own grain along the edges. You know, they didn't plant it. They didn't tend it. They just come and harvest it. But God wants to make sure that everyone has enough. So that's justice according to the Bible, making sure that nobody takes so much that other people are left destitute. Now, I'm trusting that this morning, I don't have to tell you that we live in a world that is very far from the kind of justice that characterizes God, the kind of justice that God desires. We live in a world where people take all they can get, and they don't worry too much if it leaves other people with not having enough. We live in a world that embraces winners and losers, and when someone wins big, we idolize them, instead of asking questions like, did they pay their workers a fair wage along the way? Did they make sure that the people around them had enough to eat? If some people in this world have billions and others can't pay for their groceries, we just shrug and we say, that's the way the world works. But when we read scripture, it's clear that that is not the way God works. And it's not the way that God wishes we would work. And how do we live out a sense of God's justice in the world? How do we honor our God who is just? Well, it sure isn't easy. Every time I thought of a really concrete example to give you, I decided to back away from it because I didn't know who I would make mad by saying it. Because <laughs> the truth is that our economy is so complicated that we are so far removed from the people who make our clothes or pick our produce or deliver our goods that it can be hard for us to see who doesn't have enough in the world, let alone do something to change it. As I was thinking about this, I thought, well, okay, Amy, what about Starbucks? You love to go there. I mean, I go there a lot, you guys. 
But do I have any idea how much the coffee producers were paid to pick the beans? Do I know that they had enough that they were taken care of? No, I don't. What would it take for me to even figure that out? I'm not completely sure. We live in an economy that's so complicated, it can be hard for us to know what to do to even see it, let alone to change it. But we are not powerless. We are not. We do have choices about the way we spend our money. We can advocate for public policies that protect the poor. And we can have eyes out for opportunities to help those who are being left out and being left behind. My challenge to you this week is the same one that I give to myself, and that is to look at the world around you through God's eyes of justice. What do you notice that's out of whack? What do you think God would want to see changed? Some of it we're going to have to leave for God alone to accomplish, but I'm convinced that there are places that we can support God's kind of justice, that we can take a step forward toward a world where everyone has enough and where we can honor our God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, forever just. Amen.